Are you an RN, LPN, mental health clinician, or a counselor with a career that you love? That's great, but you can love your career and not love where you're working. If this sounds like you, why not consider exploring a job with the Hamden County Sheriff's Office? At the Hamden County Sheriff's Office, you'll work with people who really love their careers and their jobs. You'll not only make a difference, but you'll be valued by the people you treat and your coworkers too. So say yes to exploring the healthcare jobs at the Hamden County Sheriff's Office at hcsoma.org or just Google Hamden County Sheriff today. The ideas and opinions expressed in this show do not reflect the views of WHMP or Saga Communications. This show may contain subject matter not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. One of the greatest mistakes any leader can make is being too late to recognize, too late to understand, and too late to react. Hi, I'm Lisa Riley, and each week we're here to share the narratives of people and programs, both inside and outside the criminal justice system, the reality of life behind the wall, the stigmas that surround those who have been impacted by the justice system, and the inspiring stories of those who are hustling to prove that failure isn't final. This is The Hustler Files. Welcome, everyone, to our second show of 2024 and another exciting year of The Hustler Files. So this week, I tapped into our good friend Jeffrey Korzenik, chief investment strategist, prison reform advocate, and author of the must-read book, Untapped Talent, How Second Chance Hiring Works for Your Business and the Community. Jeff was kind enough to connect us with Steph Dolan, Program Director of the Corporate Coalition of Chicago. Now, this is an organization which, in collaboration with Kara Plus and the Chicagoland Workforce Funder Alliance, is supporting a fair chance hiring cohort that is entrenched in the community, defining issues and needs, of course, what is very close to our heart here at The Hustler Files, Fair Chance Hiring. Steph, welcome to this week with The Hustler Files. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, let's dig in. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Of course. So I am a program director at the Corporate Coalition of Chicago, and I lead all of our Fair Chance Hiring work. What that means broadly is that I lead a cohort of employers who have said fair chance hiring as a talent priority of ours, but we need help doing it. We need to figure out the internal processes and practices to more effectively recruit, hire, retain, and advance this talent pool within our organization. And then I do a number of other side projects besides the cohort. We have some work on an industry level with hospitals that are trying to tackle fair chance hiring. We're working at a national level and we're working with some of the local sort of community-based organizations, as well as some of the, I'd say, collaborative of companies and stakeholders in the reentry space to be able to get more word out about the work that we're doing with employers and try to continue sort of fostering and gathering best practices as it pertains to employer practice change for fair chance hiring. So let's rewind a second. There's a lot to unpack in what you just shared with us. 
this and I have a million questions. So the Corporate Coalition in Chicago, what year was that formed? That was formed in 2020, sort of coming out of the murder of George Floyd. A number of companies in the city of Chicago recognized that they wanted to change their day-to-day business practices to really reduce the racial and economic inequities facing the city of Chicago. And so these companies together are harnessing their assets, their capabilities, their talent to reassess their day-to-day business practices and implement new ways to deploy this capital capabilities and employee enthusiasm to build a thriving, more equitable Chicago. So when all this started, it was based on racial inequities. How did the fair chance hiring piece come into the initiatives? Because you have, I think, four or five pretty major initiatives that I was reading about on online. So how did this fair chance piece fall into the space that you're in? Yeah. So in the spring of 2022, the Corporate Coalition convened its membership. I think at that time it was about 30 or 35 members to talk about talent shortages and how to address the talent shortages that they were experiencing. And we brought in Jeff Korzenik to share about the typically untapped talent pool, sometimes, you know, systemically overlooked talent pool, Fair Chance Talent. And Jeff presented his work with previous companies around Fair Chance Talent, shared some of the best practices that he's learned and helped companies implement. And it really resonated with our membership because the city of Chicago has faced significant challenges when it comes to mass incarceration. We have significantly higher levels of incarcerated, particularly Black men compared to the national average. And so this is something that as companies who are members of the corporate coalition who want to do good for local communities, this is an area where they really need to be able to dig in and think about how can we help reduce that systemic inequity. And as Jeff talked about fair chance hiring, and we saw how closely or how deeply it resonated with the coalition members, we decided to develop a cohort for companies who really wanted to pursue fair chance hiring on a very deep level. So walk us through what what that actually means, because you have an enormous amount of organizations who have jumped on this train to lead the way for what probably will be other cities around the country, I'm guessing if it hasn't already. And I'm not talking an average company with 10 employees. I mean, you have some very large name employers from the Chicago area and the Illinois area. So that tells me that this work is systematically in the right place and that you're on the right track and that you're doing something right. So walk us through what these cohorts look like. Of course. So we launched our first cohort in January of 2023, and it runs nine months. So wrapped up in September of 2023. And during that nine months, we convened our cohort members on a monthly basis. So we had eight member organizations that equated to about 25 individuals. We would meet for two hours once a month to discuss best practices as it pertained to fair chance hiring. And each month had a different topic. One month, we talked about background. Another month, we talked about the regulatory environment. Another month, we talked about the importance of recruiting. What do your job descriptions say? Do they talk about the background check process at all? Do they indicate that you're a fair chance employer? We talked about and provided guidance on how to identify community organizations who can help you recruit this talent pool, as well as support this talent pool, and how to really build real strong, honest, transparent relationships with those community organizations. And then we talked about 
wraparound supports. How do you make sure that once you've hired these individuals, they feel like they belong in your organization and that they're getting access to the benefits and the supports that they might need to be successful? And then finally, we talked about advancement. What's really interesting about this talent pool is that they have higher retention rates than your typical sort of average population, but they're also hungrier for growth. It is really, really important for this talent pool that they can see there are career pathways for them within an organization. It's not as simple as coming in and starting an entry-level role and and staying there. They want to know that they can advance in an organization for it to really feel like home. That gives you a bit of like the flavor of our programming. I'd say the other piece of work that's really important to us in our cohort is it is a truly action-based model. People come to learn, but they also come to do. And by do, I mean we work with each employer one-on-one to identify practice changes that they can undertake to help make Fair Chance hiring a reality within their organization. And so we help them understand what are their current practices and then what's the gap between those current practices and the best practices that exist. And then we'll coach them through how to address that gap so that they can get closer to having a real fair chance hiring program that's as effective as possible, both for the employer and for the and for the candidates. So I have some questions off of this, and I mm-hmm. love this model. I really do. I, I think that you've really built this out to be a successful cohort. So my first question is, who are the members that are coming to these monthly meetings? Are they the CEOs of the company? Are they the COOs? Or are they the, the VPs of HR? So typically, the folks who participate are members of HR. We have CHROs, we have directors of talent acquisition, but then we also will have folks who are in the background check process, right? Sometimes we get individuals from legal or compliance. Other times, you know, we've had members send folks from their DEI teams. Sometimes we have individuals come from benefits or from communications or PR, depending on the topic. But what's really important to us is that we want to have, to the extent possible, consistent participation from individuals in the organization who are high enough up in the organization that they have the influence and authority to drive practice change. So you mentioned there's eight member organizations that went through this first cohort. Is there a reason it wasn't more of them? So the reason we had eight cohort members last year was this was our first cohort. It was something new. It was something different. And so we wanted to spend a lot of time, you know, sort of finessing the curriculum, finessing the content and the approach before rolling it out at a larger scale. Also, we required that each organization participating, their leadership had said fair chance hiring is a priority and we're willing and ready to take action. So trying to find organizations who are willing to say, this is a priority of ours and we're going to do stuff, that can sometimes be a challenge. It's a lot easier for companies to sign up for a program that's just about learning, right? Or just about sharing experiences. It's a lot harder to get companies to really commit to that practice change. And so I think that's why we settled on eight cohort members, which was actually, frankly, the perfect size to be able to get a nice mix of industries, a nice mix of practice change projects, and always have, you know, voices from the various companies sharing about their progress, sharing about their challenges. It made for a really 
rich conversation over the nine months together. Well, I know from my conversations with Jeff and in reading his book that you can have a CEO of a company or COO, someone in the executive suite that says, oh, this is a great idea. This is going to help us, you know, relieve some of what we're missing in the talent pool. We can train them. We'll give them a chance. We'll give them a living wage. And then it gets down to the HR people or the legal department and they all put up the red flags. And I'm guessing that maybe you're you're experiencing some of that as well. Correct. Uh, that's something that we've definitely seen. It is one thing for a company to raise their hand and say, we want to do this. It's another thing to actually implement or operationalize it. It's a lot harder to follow through on bringing that strategy to life. Well, I still have a bunch of questions that I want to <laughs> go through, but we're already halfway through our show. So Steph, if you can hang out with us, listeners, grab another cup of coffee. You're listening to this week's The Hustler Files. Hello, this is Glenn Sexton, Superintendent and Special Sheriff of the Hampshire County Sheriff's Office and Correctional Center located in Northampton, Massachusetts. If you are considering a career in the field of corrections and public safety, as well as working for an agency that prides itself on integrity, dedication, and professionalism, then please visit our website, HampshireSheriffs.com. We currently have open positions in security, health services, counseling, treatment, and education. Thank you. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to this week's The Hustler Files. I'm your host, Lisa Riley. And if you're just joining us, we're here with Steph Dolan, who is the program director of the Corporate Coalition of Chicago, which is assisting employers in hiring formerly incarcerated or justice-involved individuals. So, Steph, thank you again for joining us today. Of course. It's my pleasure to be here. So we were just coming off talking about this cohort with the eight members and what that looked like in the first year from January 23 to September of 2023. I had a question, and and I know that there was a lot of conversation around, you know, this being big companies, but what's been the biggest pushback from whether it's the the HR department or the legal department or the compliance or the operations? Has there been one or two items that have been the biggest pushback other than the fact that they've been incarcerated or for justice involved? Yeah, there are two things that we typically hear employers suggest as being impediments to career chance hiring. One is regulations, right? There are some companies out there who operate in very strict state or federal regulatory environments, like financial services or a hospital system. And while that's true, what we've discovered and what many employers in those spaces have discovered is that while there might be some roles that you can't hire an individual with a specific disqualifying Record, there is plenty of gray area where companies can still operate. And it really just takes the time and the effort to go through and really understand what is specified in the regulation and what is not. And where there is that gray area, you can then look at each role that fits within that gray area and assess which are the convictions that do seem pertinent or don't seem pertinent. So that's a barrier that we've heard employers reference, but there's a solution to it. It just requires time and effort and frankly, like dedicated staff to be able to put this time in. 
Then the other piece of the pushback that we've gotten is around negligent hiring liability. There is a concern among employers that if they hire an individual and then that individual causes harm to other individuals or to property, they could be subject to a lawsuit. And while we recognize that's frequently a concern of like legal and compliance, there's been a lot of research done out there that showcases that individuals with criminal records or individuals with prior convictions actually do not have that high of a risk for negligent hiring liability. So there are publications that can tell you all of the data and get into a little bit more detail about why that is the case. But what's really uplifting for us is that we now have that data to back up our conversations with employers so that when they reference this misconception, we can in fact demonstrate that it is a misconception. So this brings up sort of an interesting question because as you're talking, I'm thinking about the financial services, hospital systems, and I'm thinking about the organization The Last Mile, which for over a decade has been training incarcerated men and women in San Quentin and now across the country in other prisons to do coding. And now they're getting into other areas of of software. And I would think that that would be sort of a first step or those type of people that have been released, because I know TLM, The Last Mile, has had great success in getting their trainees once they've been released into jobs and careers in that space. So it almost seems like this should sort of work in reverse, where let's say in the financial services industry, because I know you have a lot of members in that space, just from what I saw online, that those members get together as a cohort, you go to some of the local jails and prisons, you set up some of these software training programs or financial services programs or ways to train for people that will be re-entering the community in you know 12 months or 24 months and give them that opportunity opportunity to learn something. So they're already sort of under that member's umbrella. Does that make sense? Yes. I can I can see where you're going with that idea. And it's something that, you know, perhaps down the road, like we would love to be able to do. I mean, I know that like the the negligent hiring eligibility piece, we've had um, Sherry Garcia from Cornbread Hustle in Dallas mm-hmm. on with us. Yep. And I mean, she takes the risk, right? The first 90 days mm-hmm. with somebody, she's taking the risk. We had a gentleman on with us um, out of Springfield, Massachusetts. He's a manufacturer. He has been hiring through the sheriff's department for 25 years, formerly incarcerated, justice-involved mm-hmm. individuals for his manufacturing. He has CEOs that come from other parts of the country that come. He does um, manufacturing for like Procter & Gamble. And so very large companies and these CEOs and their teams will come and they'll be out on the floor and they'll talk to them and they'll meet them. And these people stay with him for years and years and years. And he says, I've been doing this for 20, 25 years. I've never had an issue with anybody. So it seems like, I mean, there's an open door there. There's an opportunity. And I think it's just a matter of people need to do their due diligence and do the work and take a chance. And is that where the blockage is? It's just too much work? It is a lot of work. I think for any business, they know that practice change isn't easy and culture change isn't easy. And so that's why we've developed this cohort so that they have the chance to learn best practices, hear from companies who have done this. And when the companies that have done this and done it well come in and 
share their learnings with our cohort members. It's not all rainbows and unicorns, right? They share the hard stuff that they had to go through and the hard lessons they had to learn and the things that they did wrong to be able to get to where they are today. And so I think part of what was really compelling for our cohort members last year was really two things. One was hearing from the companies who have succeeded and hearing that it's not easy. It's not as quick as flipping a switch and changing one thing in your background check process, right? It's the whole host of practice changes and culture changes and communications efforts that you have to go through if you're going to do this right. And it was uplifting because they said, oh, okay, I'm not in this alone. Like, it's not just hard at my organization. It's, it's tough everywhere. We all have to put in the work if we want to do this right. And then the other thing that was really compelling for our cohort members was hearing from individuals with lived experience. So during our nine sessions last year, out of those nine sessions, for five of those sessions, we had individuals join us who had been just as impacted. And I think keeping that job seeker's perspective and their experience at the heart of everything we do and everything we talk about is really critical. One, because those job seekers have advice for employers, right, on what's not working in the application process or what's not working in the interview process. But two, those job seekers, they're human beings. And it is important to keep all of this work as centered on the human experience as possible. And when employers hire these individuals, they're hiring parents, they're hiring family members, they're really making a difference in the community, and they need to remember that. I would think that internal cultural piece must be hard for a lot of people because someone walks in and they know that they've served time, they know what it's for, they know what job they're applying for. And not everybody's mindset is liberal. So how do your member companies approach on the internal side with their hiring managers to help readjust sort of that mindset because they're going to be interviewing these people? Yeah. So there are a couple of different ways that we talk about culture. Uh, I think first and foremost is respecting the privacy of these individuals. So Illinois is a ban the box state. So individuals are not asked at any point in the application process about if they have a record. So individuals can go through the entire interview process without having to be judged for having a record or having to reveal that they have one. Typically, it comes up during a background check after a conditional offer has been offered. And so typically what happens is, you know, the hiring managers may never actually know. Talent may never actually know that someone has a record. And so I think that piece, that aspect of privacy is really important. But the other piece that comes into culture, right, is the fact that you still need to train up your managers on things like what supports are offered, what benefits are offered, how can employees tap into those. Managers should ideally be trained in, you know, how to have like a trauma-informed workplace so that if they do have someone on their team who has lived experience, each of those managers is set up and equipped to be able to help support them, even if they don't necessarily know who on their team has a background. And then on a related note, it's also about onboarding. You know, when people join an organization, how do you talk about the values and the priorities of the organizations? How do you share about employee resource groups? How do you share about what supports are offered? So that when people join, if, if they do have a background, they're listening and they're saying, this is an organization that does understand me and it could feel like home. And so you just want to make sure when someone joins an organization and then their experience with their manager is really well set up to make an individual feel like this is a place 
place where they can have a future and where they want to stay for that future. This is all so impressive and so important and so relevant to where we are in our society today and our communities. What are some of the things on the docket for the coalition and the cohorts within Fair Chance Hiring in 2024? So we just launched our second cohort. January 19th. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. It was really exciting. It was a very, like, enthusiastic and impactful time together. So I can bring to life a little bit what that cohort experience looked like. So during our four hours together on a Friday afternoon, which I think anyone who goes into a four-hour meeting on a Friday afternoon usually, like, groans a little bit because that's a rough time slot. What we tried to do was have as many sort of interactive experiences as possible to get folks thinking, engaging, up and moving around. And we had a reentry simulation, very abridged, but it basically encouraged our cohort members to put themselves in the mindset of someone who had recently been convicted to see sort of what the journey would look like for that individual to go from conviction all the way through to having a job and sustaining that job. And that could be everything from how do they learn about job openings? How do they craft their resume? How do they access the support to do that? To how do they prep for interviews? It was a really interesting and engaging experience because they had to think about all of the different barriers that an individual could encounter. I have to stop you real quick because we're going to run out of time. But I have mm-hmm. to ask this question. Who built the reentry simulation model? I don't actually know who like came up with the idea of a reentry simulation, you know, probably years ago. But what we did was we took the idea and we made it into a 25-minute experience. And my colleague, Marcos, Gonzalez from the Corporate Coalition was the brains behind that. It's brilliant. And I'd love to bring him back with you on the show and talk about it a little bit more because, you mm-hmm. know, reentry is something that is so key to the success. And we work with a lot of local sheriff's offices and reentry is it, it starts for them on day one. That doesn't always happen at the federal or state levels of prison. So I'm, I'm going to have to unfortunately cut you there. But your second cohort started. And how many members do you have now for 2024? We have six cohort members this year. It's a really interesting mix of industries. We have three healthcare systems. So it's inspiring to know that this is something that's really resonating within that industry in Chicago. And then we have a research institution, a hospitality organization, and an insurance company. That's wonderful. I love this. So last question for you, Steph. I ask all my guests and I don't prep them. I'm a believer that we all have life assignments and they can change and they can grow with us as we grow throughout life. But at this point, what do you think your life assignment is? That is a great question. I, the things that make me happiest and make me feel most satisfied, like personally and professionally, are when I'm helping people uncover a problem and then solve it. And so I I don't know, I guess I'm a problem solver. That's kind of my role in the family. It's my role with my kids. And as someone who's been in consulting for a long time and is now, you know, kind of in a consulting role with companies that want to pursue this, that's exactly what I'm doing. So problem solver. That's very valuable. And I think it's fabulous. I don't think we've had any problem solvers yet in our episodes. So uh, you're, you're the first one. 
But I have to thank you again. Let's stay connected. And listeners, don't go anywhere. We're going to be back with The Hustler Files. See you back in a minute. Thanks. What do the Hamden County Sheriff's Office, local area police departments, and local councils on aging all have in common? They are the three partnerships that form the Hamden County Triad Program, created by Sheriff Nick Kochi to provide local seniors in Hamden County safe, healthy, and free services. This winter, the Sheriff's Department is hosting a Sand for Seniors program to offer free buckets of sand to senior citizens as a preventative measure for use on sidewalks, driveways, and walkways. For other triad services available, call 413-858-0060. We are back, and this week's thoughts come from the indelible Steve Jobs. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are usually the ones who do. And that's another wrap on another episode of The Hustler Files. I want to thank our guests and advertisers for their continuing support. Remember, you can find all of our shows on the whmp.com podcast page or any of your favorite podcast sites. Have a wonderful week ahead. And remember, don't be ashamed of your story. It will inspire others. See you next week right here on The Hustler Files. (laughs) 